welcome to episode 4 of Being Métis Louis Diaz. I'm your host, Barney Morin, and today we peer into the life of Métis leader Louis Diaz. Today, Canadians are seeing the Métis leader in a new light, and I want to know more about him. While our take on him today doesn't break down every speech he's made, every big political move, I want you to get an understanding of a man who died defending his country, who was hanged defending his people's land. It may not be completely understood today, but if we keep looking at his history through a Métis lens, we just might find some truths. Louis Diaz had to make some big decisions, and I'm sure it didn't come easy. Capturing that feeling in a song is Little Miss Higgins, who we will hear from at the end of the show. All that and just an expert bliss on this, the fourth episode of Being Métis. Summing up a life of a man who lived 150 years ago is tough without the history books. And the trouble with relying on our history books in Canada is we know that not all of our history was recorded in a way that reflected everyone's view. Which is common for many peoples throughout history. The victor tells the story. Except for this opponent isn't knocked down yet. His people are here. And now we have the chance to revisit the stories not always told from a Métis perspective. We touch on the important parts of his life and hopefully you'll find connections to stories you already know. Hopefully you'll learn a little bit about the father of Manitoba. To get Riel's story, I went to a guy who has worked for many historical centers here in Winnipeg and even won a Louis Riel lookalike contest. I'm guessing having Riel as an ancestor maybe helped him. Welcome historian, thespian and all-around jolly French guy, Jean-Marc Lafont. We need to do this. We need to do this for the people so that they we can have a, a context about Louis Riel. Oh, yes. So start us off, Louis Riel, the, st- the start of his life before he becomes a Métis politician. Okay, so 1844, Riel is born. So he's child of the Red River at the Little Forks on his grandfather's land. So La Jumadière Gaboury Park, where that is today. So the Seine River and yeah, the Red River? Yeah, that's the Little Fork, oh, right? So he was born there. That's where he's born, yeah, in okay. Jean-Baptiste and Marianne's house. Okay. Right? At that point, I don't know where the parents live. I'm not sure if they're already settled in the St. Vital lot. Right? I know the house isn't there at that point. But we know as Riel House because that's built afterwards. He's never lived as an adult in right. that house. Yeah. Right? Smart kid, apparently, goes to school at the what's now the St. Boniface Museum, the old nun's convent, right? Because that was the kind of public schooling of the area. Nuns are bringing in a lot of the social services, right, to the area that just don't exist because... It's not a government area. So he goes to school and super smart kid, does really well in school. Family is super involved with the church that is right next to it, right? And Teshi is the bishop at the time, sees that he's really got a lot of intellectual savvy, like ability. So him and two other or three other boys get sent to Montreal when they're like 14 years old, or at least he is 14 years old at that point. So they're leaving their like tiny little community with like, I think he's got like one trunk with him of stuff. That's his entire life. And they go out there for years. The idea is like he's going, they want to send him out initially to become priests, right? Have local priests from the community is the idea. So he starts his studies into that uh, in Saint-Nicolet, out in Montreal. So learns, you know, of course, languages, Latin, English, law, and other things. Actually starts veering more towards law, uh, and eventually will work in, like, as a, like, law clerk kind of entry position, stuff like that, right? Doing a little earning, but 
mishap happens, dad passes away here in the Red River Valley, so that causes some problems. So he starts trickling his way back towards the west. It's not a direct trip. He stops in a couple places, like working as a law clerk. I, I'm not sure if it's because he needed to make money to like make his way back, you know, raise some funds, or if it's just like there are roadblocks along the way there. But anyway, he makes his way back eventually. And then that's where we start getting into the meat of things here and politically in the Red River Valley, right? Because at the same time he comes back, I mean, sucks, right? It's time, a tragic time for him because he's still like mourning the loss of his father who already had instilled in him a lot of political stuff. His dad was a Saskatchewan Métis and that was, uh, and was heavily involved in politics then and Métis rights already. So there was already that kind of instilled ingraining within the family already and then pursue that further through school and get a greater knowledge for what's going on in the, in the, the more Eastern politics, Yeah. right? It really puts him in an interesting place. So now that we get here and then there's like the Canadian government that's like wanting to issue like surveying of the lands and whatever to to make the Hudson Bay Territory, right? The Great Northwest, an, a, a territory to Canada, right? To the provinces. Well, that's starting to get problems, right? Because they're going to infringe on these these lots of land, right? That's all river lots that have been settled for generations now, some of them, you know, and even for, for indigenous people who are on the land, right? None of these rights are being claimed. It's just like, oh, you're being annexed. We're going to measure you. We're going to give, uh, you know, the, the Canadian system of whatever, and you have zero rights. You're going to have to move out of the way. And so Hiel then is looked to, to kind of like explain to people what these laws or these well, these intrusions, I guess. Because it's like the HBC on behalf of this whole new well, thing. Well, HBC is going downhill, right, at this point. So they're yeah. like, we're not fur trading anymore. So they're they're getting ready to, like, sell the fur trade land, right? Rupert's right. land is going to be, like, essentially donated practically for, like, a minute sum of cash to the Canadian government that has, like, its two big provinces, right? Upper and lower Canada. So, yeah, so so they're selling that off. They... they their business they don't really care about the people that are there but they're also not kind of like intruding in it but once you you know you sell your company you sell your company yeah so then Louis Riel educated with a, with a well, sort yeah, of he's Eastern... explaining to the people in the yeah. Red River Valley here what like these declarations are of like hey we're coming in to do some land serving and whatever right and this is where you'll start to see where, like when they're coming in to do the land serving this is when you see the battle of uh, La Barrière Right What's in the that? south. That's uh, you know where the Barrier Park is in, like just south of Saint Norbert. Oh yeah. Where yeah. there's like the, there's the golf course on the one side of the river, and then there's the park on the other side. Yeah. That's yeah. named after this organized kind of militia Métis regrouping, where they're stopping the surveyors from coming in and measuring their lands, and they're saying, no, you can't come in here without negotiating with us. This taking over because we have rights here as well, and like these are our lands and things like that, and we do have like set ways in which we live and we want that respected. We don't want to be just trampled over. So that's essentially like they have taken that stance at that point and regrouped as a, as a community and have like essentially, well, literally put their foot down on the chains of the surveys and said, no, you yeah. can't cross into here, right? And so that's all. Uh, that, and that's not the first time that they're having to stand and defend their land. So Louis comes back and with education of law and education that's of that. That's right. W when does he sort of start, I guess, like, I mean, I guess there's a lot of detail and there's, you know, social politics that goes on. But when does he really start becoming to the forefront as like a leader for the Métis? Actually, interestingly enough, he is not the first leader. Uh, he comes in the second leader. And it's, I mean, it's just over a question of a few weeks. 
December 8th, that's what it is. So 1869, December 8th, John Bruce is appointed as the president. And a couple weeks later, so just after Christmas, he steps down and Riel takes. Oh. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure what that implication is. But yeah, so Riel is, is the stand-in, actually. He kind of helped rally and everything and organize all of the provisional government. But initially, he's not the one taking the lead. He just steps in to replace the lead and then, I guess, gets kind of stuck into that role. Right, yeah. and he can fill the shoes, so he keeps on going. So 1869, Riel speaks in a meeting of Métis residents, so the people that are residing in this area, about rights in the event of annexing HBC land, so Red River, to Canada, right? So this is when, like, it's like a town hall meeting, yeah. right? So this is like, we've gotten these papers, like, here's what this means to you lay people who have, like, next to no education. Because they're changing, because there was, like we learned in our last episode, um, there was a river lot system. Exactly. And then they're changing it to like the sort of what we know now is like the square lots. Like exactly. The mile miles, right. Or, the block system. Yeah. The annexing of that whole thing. So Exactly. Which is going to start driving people weird, right? Because like on the old river lot system, you'd have like access to land that you could grow hay on, right? Your cereals and your food crop and then access to wood and stuff like that as well, right? So like this is, we're, we're in that situation. You can have a little more independence, right? Mm -hmm. You can actually make your living from your land this doesn't guarantee that you have these kinds of accesses, right? And so it's kind of driving against how they're living and how their culture has been established in this territory that, you know, was just barren. They were kind of able to do whatever initially. Now they're being told, oh, no, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, who are you to say that, right? So this is like, Riel needs to break that down for them. Because, I mean, these aren't politically minded people necessarily. They don't... Yeah. Like, these are people that are making their living off of, like, hunting and, like, you know, like, uh, some crop growth and, like, uh, and, like, big hunts, big, big bison hunts, right, where the community leaves and whatever. And so it already has this kind of political organization. And this is, like, a whole, like, new set of rules. Of rules all of a sudden that you're like, wait, why do we need to play by this set of rules? <laughs> yeah. Like, who asked us? Yeah. Right? And this, and this is exactly the thing, right? It's that who asked us? And that's gonna like really bring in like the debates, right? And that's gonna ca start causing some of the problems, right? It's the well, we're not being consulted on this, and this like who are you to just come in all of a sudden and be like, well, no, you don't have these rights actually, like, so right, so 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 which, which is the man that can break that down, right? So that's why he's important. He knows both systems, understands both, has studied it, right, and also has access to that fluidity of language, right? So the French community, he can explain these English whenever where they may not be able to read or understand English, right? Yeah. So it is really beneficial. And plus it's all political jargon. So like somebody needs to explain that and break that down. Like, what does this mean? Oh, they're going to blah, 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 blah. Like now that he's becoming a, a leader and he's sort of representing the people in this area, he's now having to have conversations with Johnny McDonald. That's right. So he's having all kinds of conversations with all kinds of. He's been even sending petitions to Johnny uh, from the people here, saying like, "Please listen to like our rights. Please acknowledge that we're people. Please this." And they're like signed petitions, right? Yeah. Um, and Johnny's just not super interested in that. So um, Lu uh, Thomas Scott was accusing Louis Riel and, and wanted to have. The well, death I mean, the Métis the... were the problem for the Canadians, right? Because right. like, how dare you go against the Canadian government? Who has this plan? Who are you to do that, right? They're they're the they're the the thorn in the Canadian government side, the Métis, because they're preventing them from doing whatever they want, right? Um, and so, the Métis are like, hey, human rights. How about yeah. that? 
how about you respect the fact that we live here? How about you respect the fact that we have a culture and a language already that you can't just like impose it and be like, you're going to be British now. If you're not happy with it, well, too bad. You're going to be British now, you know, and like yeah. stamp and seal them and fit in the mold. In the late 1860s, it was a tense time for the Métis and they needed a leader. While many Canadians in the East didn't like Riel because he stood up to defend the land on which his people was born and for the land of his people, not all in the East were against him. In the far, far East, better viewing of him, right? And I think with, uh, even today, modernly speaking, in the very east of Canada and Quebec and stuff like that, he's better viewed than he would be in Ontario and in more English focused uh, populations. Just because of the history was but because the well, I mean, who's who's writing the history at that point? The Canadians are going to write their version of it and be like, well, he's the enemy. Whereas here, the Métis and the people, the Francophone communities and the settlers and whatever that are here, I mean, like even the English have representatives here, like the the English settlement, French and Métis have uh, representatives on the provisionary government, right? And Riel is the figure that is helping guide them through this political turmoil, essentially, and this shifting of, of ways. So they right? like him here. They're, they're big fans of him. Yeah. He's, he's fighting for the rights, right? He's kind of, he's the, he's the go-to guy right now. He's got the education required to, to help us understand what's going on. He's, you know, like, I don't know how much more beneficial he could be in that area and to his people at that time. It's almost like it was a perfect timing, him arriving here and having that baggage of knowledge and having the government doing that all at once, right? It's like, oh good, there's someone here that can break this down for us. I always try to imagine what it would be like for someone to show up and demand to survey the land you own for their own purposes. How do you deal with that sort of intrusion? The Métis were strong marksmen and could put up a good fight, but their leader saw a way of keeping the land. Yeah, so the Manitoba Act making Manitoba a province, not a territory, right? And entering confederation like that, right? It's got a set of rules to play by uh, to acknowledge the rights uh, of people, right? So language, religion, um, and culture, right? Land right as well. So people get like land claims and things like that, right? That some people trade in and whatever for money or whatnot, right? But they do, they have access to this, right? Um, which modernly speaking is actually great for us because those documents are how we could still through federal organizations identify ourselves culturally speaking, right? These are some of the documents we require today in order to prove our status. Yeah. Right? So so it's through that. Which is a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how yeah, you look exactly. at it. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind of double-edged sword, yeah, right? We're so recognizing it's their, in, in, and I say their system like I haven't... <laughs> Like I haven't benefited completely the from the, system, yeah, yeah. From, <laughs> but from from the from the current system of government that we have, uh, being recognized from them from the the system that happened back then, good thing yes because we're recognized in their eyes, but um, you know that doesn't necessarily lead to good things for us. But we have so we have he brings in the Manitoba Act. Yeah, um, so there's going to be the whole Manitoba Act thing that's going to bring everything in, and eventually what does there's... That mean? What does that mean for Métis? What does the, Ma the Manitoba Act mean? Well, that Manitoba Act means that, like, now um, 
the province is entered into confederation, but through negotiations with a provisionary government, right? And that the it's Sternatant, uh, an understanding between those two groups. Uh, like these are the rules we're ready to play by. So it's not so much like the just the we're imposing this set of rules on you. It's like, okay, you've had your say in it and your representation in order to be supported, listened to, and like you should in a proper government situation, right? Right. So then Louis Riel, um, at this point then, that's probably a huge turning point in sort of, let's say, the image of Louis Riel because he's now agreed to exile and he's agreed that there's turmoil. Him as a representative of the area, like he's supposed to be an MP that goes. Oh yeah, he there. gets elected to parliament, but he he ends up having he can't show up to his yeah his chair, and so he ends up like the the seat ends up essentially like crumbling and having to go to someone else. So this like in in this terms, I guess Louis Riel is perceived. He's a, he's kind of helping the people out, so he's in, in this world. But what's he perceived like uh, Eastern wise, like our is well, Johnny. The, 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 les Anglais, right? The English. Uh, or the... Uh, Orangist? The... Les Orangist and the Redneck, which are the Irish, right? Okay. For the red scarves around their necks, they oh, wore. Okay. Have issues, right? These are the Canadians that come in. People like Thomas Scott and stuff like that that want to cause... Mind you, it's interesting. Thomas Scott is often described as some, like, loudmouth guy that's just, like, you know, gonna give it to him, stick it to him, right? And, I mean, he's I mean he's going around also, like, talking about, like, Riel uh, being needed to put to death, right? And that's why... At the point where Thomas Scott's um, uh, trial comes into play, Riel has already let a couple people that were like sentenced to death, like pardoned them. And at the point of Thomas Scott, he decides, well, no, this is the time that we need to like let them know that we are serious. So he walks away from that and he appeals and whatever, completely steps away from those decisions. So it's entirely his counsel that takes that decision. That starts rubbing problems with the Canadian government, right? Where they're gonna say, "Oh, that's gonna start looking like treason." Um, so him and Johnny actually have an accord that he's going to go uh, for a short, um, sort of self-imposed, but not self-imposed, but like this is the best decision for everyone. Um, an exile, right? So he goes to like St. Paul, Minneapolis, right? Uh, after the whole Thomas uh, Scott, Thomas hanging? Scott hanging, uh, no shooting, shooting, oh, yeah. gallery. Okay. Yeah, okay. he was shot gallery style. Oh. À la galerie. Right? So, yeah, he then gets exiled, goes to uh, St. Paul. Then he's going to keep on trickling his way out to, like, uh, to the West, where he's going to marry Marguerite Manet. They have three kids. Uh, two of them die super young. Uh, the wife dies as well. One of them gets married, but, again, dies without... Um, bearing children. So there's no direct descendants from his line. Then, Riel, having done all this stuff for Manitoba, and he's kind of like agreed with Johnny to be on this exile and whatever, there's a similar pattern of problems that happens in Batash, right? With the Canadian government. So Johnny's super, like, it just seems like he's really disinterested in listening to people. He just really wants to do whatever he wants and hates having to negotiate this, just like imposes his will. So you start to see the similar patterns in the West where there are problems with Canadian government and the people uh, that aren't feeling represented and that they're not feeling that their culture is going to be respected and um, that they'll have access to what they were used to, like, like Manitoba had. Um, and so people like Gabriel Dumont, uh, essentially decide we're going to recruit Riel. He's gone through this, he understands how to go, and he's already gone and chatted with Johnny on this, so maybe this will just be a way simpler process, right? 
They go through, uh, they end up cutting south, going to the U.S. Uh, they have to get permissions to cross, right? Because there's sort of like enemy tribe territories. Mm. So they are going to have to negotiate access into and out of the, those territories, right? So that they could peacefully do this um, and make their way to Massachusetts. Riel kind of hesitates initially because, well, I mean, it wasn't exactly the funnest outcome. Right, the first time round, um, but eventually gets coaxed into it and leaves the um, uh, the the U.S., which he'd gotten residency for at that point, and um, makes his way up to Batash, uh, and then there's all the the series of issues in Battle of Batash, uh, and that ends up being essentially terminated when Kiel comes in, gives himself in, and says like, "Look, can we still negotiate this?" And they're like, "Nope, let's have a trial." Right. And then that trial. Well, and then the trial, that's where, like, you know, he's, uh, well, the Canadian government uh, charge him guilty of treason. And that's what he's hanged for. For which the Canadian government to this day still can't, on any political party, the Canadian government still can't agree upon a, a resolution amongst each other, amongst each party, to why he should be uh, pardoned. And so that's where part of that conflict still resides because they won't agree. at in another episode not everyone in our time is the same page on whether or not Luriel should be exonerated of his crimes from the government or if they should let this stay and remain it's a touchy subject but we'll get into it soon for now if you're listening to this in Manitoba just before Luriel day it is the middle of winter outside right now with this song from Little Miss Higgins I invite you wherever you are to picture a snowy landscape and to think of big decisions that rest on the back of Luriel Here's Snowing Today, a lament for Luriel by Little Miss Higgins. Snowing today, snow like feathers and the cold has slacked its tethers. Visions of past through the warp vintage glass take my cares away with the Might be a good day for running away. It might be the day to choose to stay. It might be the day to just carry on. Walk through the window like a looking glass. Take the Carlton Trail, send a Before we're all gone Snowing today Snow like feathers in the cold Has slacked its tethers Visions of past Through the warm vintage glass Take my cares away with the weather 
Touchwood Hills, right over there. Thank you, Little Miss Higgins, for the song, and a big thank you to Jean-Marc Lafont for his Louis expertise. Oh, and a big old thanks goes to you for listening. I appreciate it. If you're curious about the Métis, we have plenty more content to check out on beingmétis.ca. There you can donate to our Patreon, which will help us pay for the next episodes and for production costs. The whole project came out of the pocket of a broke student. If you learned anything, liked the interviews, or even maybe discovered something about yourself, consider supporting the podcast. The more you donate, the more episodes we can make. Anything helps. Next episode, we will take a bit of a pause from the heavy discussion and we will visit Western Canada's biggest winter festival, a celebration of fur trade, francophonie and Métis culture, the 49th annual Festival du Voyageur. We'll head over to Whittier Park in Winnipeg on the Whittier Day to speak with Jenna Vandal, a leader of in the Rooster Town blockade and young Métis activist, and we will speak with the Métis politician Dan Vandal, who doesn't always get to speak about his Métisness. 
And yes, they're related. Their father and daughter. We'll explore what it's like to stand up against the city of Winnipeg for land disputes and what it's like being Métis and in being in federal politics. Subscribe to our iTunes and find Being Métis on Facebook. Thanks for listening. À la prochaine.